Jason, you've got to stay calm. I'm trying, but this movie, Steve! I'll admit it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it has its merits. Merits? Merits? What merits could would that be? Is it an art movie? Is it an action movie? What the hell is it? This movie is making me angry. It's just a movie, man. No, it's not just a movie. It is the worst movie ever. And me want to smash it. Well, I hope you're happy. Your anger over this movie has turned you into a giant, unconvincing CGI monster man. Me am not happy! everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation. Whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around its reputation is meh. <laughs> Fair. It's, it's birthday season here on Late Seating and now we're doing Steve's birthday movie that he selected last week. And Steve, what is the name of the movie that we will be reviewing? We will be reviewing 2003's Hulk. Not The Incredible Hulk? Not The Incredible Hulk, just not, Hulk. Not The Hulk? Not The Hulk, just Hulk. Not Ang Lee's Hulk? Sometimes referred to as such, to yeah. differentiate it from the other Hulk films. You mean from Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> not Marvel's Hulk. Just Hulk. Okay, great. The Hulk. Or Hulk. Or just Hulk. It's Hulk. Does anyone call him Hulk in the movie? Um, I think the only time the word Hulk is mentioned is once when Banner, Bruce Banner says he turns into a mindless Hulk. That's right, it. Right, that's it. Yeah. The rest of the time they call him Angry Man. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great. Do you ever have the Angry Man dinner? Those are great. Angry Man. Angry Man. Getting upset <laughs> at the condition of his latte. Anyway, so... <laughs> I didn't ask for extra foam! <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing Hulk, because it's one of Steve's favorites. And I... Nyah, nyah, nyah. Anyway, and so, you're my friend. And I'm his friend, <laughs> and I do things for him. <laughs> That's what friendship is about. I now know what it's like to be his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I smile, and I watch... And I swallow my feelings. <laughs> hey, okay, Steve, I bet mm -hmm. you got some trivia for this movie. I bet you do. Oh, I don't know a whole lot about it. Yes, I do have a little bit of trivia. Yay! Um, Lay it on me, baby. Okay, well, the first bit of trivia is that the motion capture for the animation of Hulk's facial expression was performed by Ang Lee himself. Oh, you can tell that. Yeah. Not just I his know. facial expressions, but all of some of the physical <laughs> stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to imagine Eric Bana, like, standing just outside going, like, I could do it. <laughs> and Ang going, like, no, no, I'm doing it. So if you watch the movie and you're wondering why the Hulk seemed to be moving around like a angry baby or a 45-year-old man having a temper tantrum, that's why. He's a director, not an actor, so. Yeah, that's right, baby. Um, <laughs> also, another bit of trivia. This actually, I did not know this uh, until I looked up some stuff for this show, but Sam Elliott, who of course plays uh, General Thunderbolt Ross in the movie, almost played Ross without a mustache because even though Sam Elliott himself has an iconic mustache, yes. and, and even though General Ross is depicted in the comics having a mustache, yeah. Sam Elliott pitched to Ang Lee maybe shaving the mustache because General Ross is a general in the 
the U.S. Army where facial hair is discouraged. That's correct, but it's only that, discouraged, Steve. Yeah, yeah, mustaches are allowed. Yeah. They're just not, you know. Not the big soup strainer that he usually has. Not like the yeah. one in the Big Lebowski. Right, exactly. This is so, nice. He tamed that caterpillar for this movie. Yes, he did. And thankfully, he chose to keep the mustache. The movie would not be the same without mustachioed Sam Elliott. And, and one uh, last bit of trivia. Okay. That is my favorite piece of trivia relating to this movie. And, of course, it pertains to Nick Nolte, because how could it not? Uh, Nick Nolte agreed to be in the film after examining a drop of Ang Lee's blood under a microscope and concluding that Lee was, quote, way past the cellular level, unquote, whatever the hell that means. (laughs) That that makes me happy sad. That that makes me happy sad. (laughs) Just try to imagine Ang Lee politely nodding, thinking, I really want this guy for the movie. I've just got to go along with this. I have some trivia. Yes, please. Share share the trivia. After I watched this the second time, I couldn't get up out of my chair because (laughs) I was miserable and depressed. (laughs) Is that really trivia, though? It is for me. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on to who made it. You ready? I'm ready. All right, it was directed by Ang Lee. You know Ang Lee. He made good movies like The Ice Storm and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And um, I can't, there's another one. You name Uh, another movie. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain, that's right, after he learned his lesson. It's produced by (laughs) Avi Arad. Now, you guys know Avi Arad because he's like the executive producer on a ton of shit. A lot of Mm. Marvel shit. Yeah. A lot of the cartoon shows and a lot of the other stuff. And he's... He, he he's not good. I don't like. He's a bad man, and I don't like him. <laughs> he made a lot of bad decisions. He gave us the first Daredevil with Ben he Affleck. Was, yeah, he was the pre Kevin Feige. <laughs> don't yeah. even associate those two people together. I, I think I think it's fair to say at this point that one has done a better job than the other. <laughs> That's true. Also <laughs> produced by Larry J. Franco, and he's done a lot with John Carpenter. He he produced he did a lot of stuff with John Carpenter, either as a second unit director and a producer. He even he was even one of the Norwegian guys that got blow bloated up on the helicopter at the beginning of the thing. Gail Ann Hurd, and you guys know Gail Ann Hurd, but because geez Louise, she's she's produced a lot of fear movies that you like, like Terminator, yeah. Aliens, Tremors, and that stupid TV show. What is it? The Walking Dead? <laughs> I was gonna say you're gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> You know, that TV show where the same thing happens every goddamn season. For ten years. (laughs) For ten years. And James Seamus. Screenplay by James Seamus, Michael France, who also wrote GoldenEye, John Turman, who also wrote Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, I have some trivia about the script. Please, yes. The script for the Hulk was in development since 1990. Yeah. That's how long they were working on it. And they kept getting different. I saw the other versions of the script, and they were better, and I liked them. (laughs) He fought insect guys. That would have been cool. (laughs) Insect guys? Hulk fighting anything would have been cool. (laughs) Instead of a fucking hallucination, that's what Hulk fights at the end of this movie. (sighs) Anyway, sorry, I'm getting. No, ahead it's of fine. You, hey, hey, listen. You feel how you feel. See, I do this because it gives Steve great joy to see me in pain. <laughs> Happy birthday 
to me. Based on Hulk, yeah. the Hulk character, not the comic. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see the. Anyway, yeah, Hulk by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Do I have to? I don't. I shouldn't have to. If you guys don't know who Jack King Kirby is, yeah, you don't like comics very much, do he, you? <laughs> he, you know, it's not. It's not very often that there's like a unanimous pick for most important person to ever do their job. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure true. Kirby is that person for superhero comics. I mean. And if you guys don't, and you want to know what his artwork looks like, go watch Thor Ragnarok. Oh, totally. Okay. Yes. Okay, starring Eric Bana as Bruce Banner. And before this, he was in some Australian movie. What was it? <laughs> was, was it Chomp- some- Chopper? Was it Chopper? Yes, that's it. That's actually the movie that Ang Lee cited when he said, when he yeah, explained why he wanted guy. Eric Bana. Yeah. yeah. Michael and David Cronenberg as young Bruce Banner. Jennifer Connelly as Betty Ross. You know Jennifer Connelly. She was in Labyrinth and Mulholland Drive and... Um, Rocketeer. Rock, Rocketeer and some grown-up movies up out there somewhere and she's great. Sam Elliott as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross and you know Sam Elliott because he draws her alone and and he's got a mustache and he usually plays a cowboy and he's yeah. in like the Big Lebowski and uh, what else? And, other and, stuff. And he tells you that beef is what's for dinner. Yeah, beef is what's for dinner. Um, Nick Nolte as David Banner and you guys know Nick Nolte from, geez Louise, 24 Hours and um, North, was North Dallas 40, what is it? The football Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then, and what else? Uh, like, oh boy, Lorenzo's Oil. Yeah, Lorenzo's and, Oil. Uh, and and what Prince was of the, Tides, Prince, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was Prince in Prince of, of Tides. Tides, yeah. And you know him as being a crazy person. <laughs> it's basically, in this movie, it's basically Nick Nolte as himself. It's, yeah, they just captured him on film. <laughs> I don't think he was even supposed to be in I think he was actually working as a janitor on the set. <laughs> and they just, they just shot around him. <laughs> Maybe he could be Bruce's dad, I don't know. Paul Kersey is young David Banner. Nothing. Josh Lucas is Major Glenn Talbot. Nah. I I looked. I I got so. Um. No. Kara Bobono is Edith Banner. I don't care. Kevin O'Rankin is Harper. If you have stuff for these people, you go for it. Steve, I know that's fine. You go. You go. Celia Weston is Mrs. Krenzler. How come there isn't a thing in here for young Thunderbolt Ross? I didn't even see it on the Wikipedia thing. Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Wikipedia, and I don't uh, I don't isn't see that, him mentioned. What's his name? You uh, know the actor. I what? can't remember. <laughs> I need Liv more Shul- than what's isn't his that name. Liv, Liv, what's his name? Shiver. Leave Schreiber. Yeah, I thought that was Leave Schreiber. No, that's not Leave Schreiber. No. You sure? I'm positive. Yeah. I don't. I think I'm going to say and Leave Schreiber is young General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, going uncredited because he didn't want anyone to know he was in the movie. <laughs> he saw Mu- the work print and he was like, no, 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 no. Music by Danny Elfman, and you know his music from almost every movie in the 1990s. Yeah, really. Hey, by the way, uh, yes. apparently Young Ross was played by an actor named Todd Tesson, who I have uh, never heard of. And has he been in anything else? I'm going to find out right now. You this do that real- while I say the rest. Cinematography by Frederick Elms, <laughs> and he does a lot of independent films, including one of my favorite movies, Blue Velvet. How come mm. we couldn't have more Blue Velvet in this one? <laughs> Blue Velvet's known for long, creepy takes where you kind of hope that it'll cut away, and it doesn't. It doesn't cut away. It forces you to look at now this one we gotta cut we have to always always cutting to things this movie uh, but that's not the cinematographer's job that's Tim Squire's job and he's done almost all of Angley's films <laughs> 
And I think him and Ang Lee did a bunch of crank and then decided to edit this movie together. <laughs> Production company, Marvel Enterprises, before Feige stepped in and said, you know what? We could probably do this. That might be a good thing, right? Because remember, it's Marvel Enterprises, not Marvel Studios. Yes, exactly. Also, production company of all hollow motion pictures and Good Machine, distributed by Universal Pictures. Release date, June 20th, 2003. Oh boy, a big budget action movie featuring the Hulk. I bet it's just jam-packed with monster fights and fighting robots and stuff. It'll be great, right Steve? Yep. Not a two-hour art film. (laughs) (laughs) Running time, you go... Running time! Go ahead. One hour and 38 minutes for the Hulk! You you found it to be a tad long. When there's only I'm five guessing. minutes of Hulk fighting and fight nothing, and the rest of it is people staring at each other! <sighs> Budget, $137 million. Box office, $245.4 million. And it was such a huge success that, yeah, of course they're going to make the other two films that Eric Bana signed for. What's that? Everyone hates it? Okay, never mind. <laughs> it was so successful, they rebooted it five years later. All right, Steve, that's it. I'm climbing into this gamma machine and I'm turning it on until I'm smoke. No, I have, to, I have to jump in and save you. No, you're not. No. <laughs> I got to inject myself with echinoderms of every kind, with, with jellyfish and, and, and what else is he sticking his body? <laughs> starfish. Starfish. Yeah, starfish. Yeah. The, li- the lizard. The lizard. The lizard. A bunch back. of animals before the plot even starts. And let's run into the world of Hulk. You ready? I know you're ready. You're looking I'm, forward to it. Yeah, I'm ready. You just tell me when it's over. Oh, oh, honey. Don't you honey me? Hey, hey, can I tell you? You're my best friend and you're done. Uh, <laughs> you made this happen. I did. It's my fault. Why do you think I'm so angry? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't force you to do this. Don't you pin this on me. <laughs> um... I hope you like. I, I hope you like footage of uh, scientists doing scientificy things because that's the whole opening credits. I hope you guys like opening credits and credits and Comic Sans. Technically, no, it's not. It's not Comic Sans. You shut up. It is too. It is, it's a com. It's it's a comic book font, but it is not Comic Sans. It's Comic Fucking Sans. No, it's not. How dare you? It looks like Comic Sans. Tastes like Comic Sans. It's Comic Sans. <laughs> it looks like. It looks like. Pro- Proper comic book lettering, not like Comic Sans. We open the mu- movie anyway. with comic, all the stuff in green Comic Sans writing, and we have what can only be called an attempt to give to, to elicit a seizure from its audience. <laughs> There's lots of animal testing and a guy writing and looking through a microscope and torturing animals and chopping up animals and killing monkeys and yeah. what else does he do? He, he uh, injects his body full of crap. Yeah, hacks the leg off a starfish and then yeah, watches it grow back. Yeah, and it's a huge science montage right yeah 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 he's yeah. A, and it's it's pretty obvious by the end of it that he's kind of a mad scientist he's a bad science man yeah, he's not a good scientist and then the bad science man makes a baby with his wife yeah like like sometimes happens except that he's fucked himself up because he's he wants he wants to 
continual human trials and he goes up to his boss and he says i want to do human trials on this thing and they're like you're crazy stop it and yeah. so he injects himself with his super goof juice and now he's gonna have to have a baby yeah and the, the baby woman. the baby inherits the super goof juice stuff and what does the super goof juice stuff do well so far all it does is make the baby have a little bit of a rash when he gets mad uh-huh. he has a little green rash when he cries or gets upset but that's, that's it right. so far but so what happens is the the general who is mad science guy's boss finds out that he's still experimenting with the stuff that they told him to stop experimenting with that's right so he goes to his laboratory and he breaks his microscope yeah he does and he, and he says you should have stopped we said no you're a bad science man you're a bad science man and then bad science man presses a bunch of buttons and switches yep and and then he leaves and he because he's been fired and and i guess he's gonna blow up the lab but we don't yeah, find he's, that out he's gonna until- do something really bad yeah. yeah and then he goes home and he kills his wife <laughs> maybe we don't know that yet well he well all we know yet is he ta- he takes her into a room and he closes the door and the little boy is just like sort of outside the room watching and then we jump ahead yeah we wake up from a dream sequence in a flashback yeah you heard that sentence because it's true we wake up from from a gene sequence in a flash so was the whole thing a dream it didn't actually happen Bad science man and the experiments, and that was just that kid's dream, right? Maybe. Anyway, he's like, oh, boo-hoo, I had a weird dream. And this lady comes in, and she's like, hi, I'm going to say sentences that people don't say. Like, I'm going to do some foreshadowing. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to explain where you are now, and then I'm going to say some stuff. Like, I don't, I didn't. You do it. No, I yeah, she, this, this, he's he's getting ready. They do the scene where he wakes up from the dream, and his mom comes in, and then they cut That's to not a, his a, mom. Well, his, his mom person. His aunt. His, his mom person. <laughs> his adopted mom, or his aunt or whoever yeah anyway and and then there's a scene right after that where he's packing his stuff to leave for college and she does a little foreshadowing where she says there's something inside you and when and when it comes out everybody's gonna just go crazy for it her first line is look at you going to college to become a scientist yeah you know how much i hate lines like that steve you you hate them a lot i hate them a lot a lot and then she has to do this foreshadowing thing like oh sweetie there's something inside you probably a giant green monster man that kind of looks like a baby or maybe shrek with hair i don't know but i bet you know that special thing will pop out and beat up some tanks or something and then anyway (laughs) bye bye and then he says he says oh i don't know and then he looks at the camera and winks (laughs) and then he and then he turns into eric banna so wait, wait, we go, wait, he's a teen out of the dream. Yeah, he's like, I guess he's, he's like 18. And then he's going to college. Yeah. And now he's a scientist riding now, a bike. Uh, yeah, now he's Eric Bana. Yeah. Now I will say this. This is set in San Francisco. Yes. But he works in Berkeley. Yes. And uh, it's pretty obvious that no one there knew the geography of the San Francisco Bay. <laughs> they thought they looked close to each other on the map. And yeah, I guess it's fine. I mean, whatever. There's no reason why the Hulk would land on the Golden Gate Bridge if he was coming from the desert, because that's the Golden Gate Bridge is on the <laughs> west, and it's, he, he jumped over the, out there. He jumped over the he whole city. He missed Berkeley and hit the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> he overshot. Uh, anyway, we're going ahead a little bit. He anyway, does, he's, he's a not thinking guy. clearly. Yes, he's a scientist guy, mm-hmm. and and he's, he works with Jennifer Connelly, who is apparently his ex-girlfriend. Which we get told, right? Yes. They tell us that. Yes. 
in a movie that's more than two hours long, we get told that they've broken up, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, the other guy they work with, Harper, mentions it when, Harper when he says comes it. in. He First says, Harper he makes says, fun of his bike helmet. Yeah, what he should have told him was, you need to wear a bike helmet that fits. You need to go back to the prop department and say, prop department, can you please get a helmet that fits the lead character's head instead of being one that's too small and won't protect anything? And then we can go on. Is that what Harper says? No, no. He makes fun of his bike helmet and he says, were you wearing the helmet when she dumped you? You loser. Oh, yeah. That you helmet wearing that... loser. Wow, that's a great and, way to and then, that. And then Bruce says, uh, no, but would you like to get another job? Yeah, exactly. Don't make fun of my helmet. Yeah. You little so we twerp. find out that Betty and Bruce are broken up. Yes. I think because Bruce is emotionally distant. Yes. And she's all like, I guess I have a thing about emotionally distant men. Yeah. Well, cause she's she... a, because she's a Jennifer Connelly character. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's just... And then they kill a frog. Yes, a fake frog. They kill a frog, Steve. Verisimilitude. We have to believe that they take a real frog. They put it and they blow its eyeball out. Intentionally injure it. Look, man, this in- is science, okay? You can't make an omelet little, without breaking some eggs. They inject it with little nanoparticle things, right? Yes, nanomeds. Nanomeds. What's yes. a nanomed, Steve? It's like a nanite from Star Trek, but it has a different name. No, the nanites are not from Star Trek. Yeah, they are. No, There's nanites in Star Trek. They're from MST3K. They no, but they, were, but, but they were in Star Trek first. There was the episode of Star Trek where the nanites infected the computer core. No, that was, those weren't nanites. Yes, were they? they were. They called them nanites. So who did it first i think it was mst3k no no star trek did it first mst3k didn't introduce the nanites until season eight i'm intentionally starting a star trek argument (laughs) so that we don't have to talk about the rest of the movie (laughs) anyway they're nanomeds anyway they're nanomeds little robots that do shit yeah right that fix you when you're when you're when you're hurt yeah that's right so they they inject a frog with them they stick them in a gamma thing because gamma exact because it's the hulk well but why do they need Okay, guys, gamma radiation is maybe the worst radiation to be exposed to, like, ever. And That's why not, they use it. They want to use it to fuck up the frog. It's not green. So that the nanomeds can fix this, can fix it. That's the whole point. No, they have to turn on the gamma to turn on the nanomeds. No, I think the idea is they're 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 hurting the frog with the gamma. No, and then they the, have, the frog has will... a cut on his back that they put on him. They put the nanomeds in the frog. They stick the frog in the gamma thing. They expose it to gamma radiation, which turns to get the nanomeds on. Then fixed as the frog. Well, yeah, but the whole point is the nanomeds are supposed to allow the frog to. Serve survive the very the damaging gamma, radi- gamma radiation. Yeah, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because you're uh, right. Gamma radiation, just basically, it just kills you. Like, that's all it does. Yeah, that's all it really does. Yeah. And in this case, it's absolutely true because the nanomeds go crazy yep. and the frog blows up. Yep. <sighs> and then and then we meet a bad guy, Glenn. Glenn. He's a bad guy. Yep. It's like if the guy from, Cobra, from, from Karate Kid grew up and became a military arms kind of dude. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. What's what's the uh, what's the name of the company he works for again? Atheon. Atheon! And he's all like, hey, Betty, uh, I want your tits, and come work for me, and you're stupid, Bruce, because you're poor. Dude, 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 that's all he does. <laughs> he just establishes that he is this really... <laughs> exaggerated fucking 80s villain. Yeah. Right after we get these heartfelt scenes between Jennifer Connelly and Eric Bana about why they're not together anymore, in comes this fucking cartoon character. <laughs> yep. 
he, basically, he and Ellis from, from Die Hard are going to go have lunch after. <laughs> they would get along swimmingly, don't you they think? They would get along great. They yeah. really would. Yeah. So, yeah, he's there because he wants to buy out their lab. And, and Bruce mm-hmm. and Betty are both like, fuck off. But meanwhile, at the lab, is it at the lab? Yeah. There's a bad guy. There's 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 a bad bad dad from the montage. There's a, yeah, the bad janitor. Yeah, but who, now he yeah. looks like a, a like a homeless guy. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a bad janitor because his mop handle is too short. That's why he has to bend all the way over at the waist to mop the floor. That's right. And, and also, like, he brings his dogs to work. He brings his dogs to work, which is unprofessional. Which is more than just unprofessional. Yeah. He's bringing them into a fucking laboratory. Yeah, it pro- they could they could maybe affect the science stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And now we go to the cabin by the lake. Is this a flashback, Steve? Because yeah. that was this it's is a where flashback. he's he's looking at he's looking at pictures, and then the pictures turn into Harry Potter pictures. Yeah, and then they start to they move. move, and then he has a flashback about when they were like together. He had well, and 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 he he has a flashback that is actually about Betty's flashback because then she flashbacks in the flashback. Uh, to a dream that is also a memory that she has. Uh, I don't she think was I need girl. to talk anymore about what the problems I have with the movie. You keep going. So we have a flashback <laughs> of a flat of a memory in a. Th- oh, okay. All right. Also, yes. can I tell yes. you? Also, the the least realistic part of the movie is uh, Betty says, "I had a dream," and Bruce. I had a dream. You and, say it right. <laughs> And and Bruce says, "Tell me about your dream." And then yeah. he listens to her talk about her dream, and he's interested the whole time. Yeah, I know. That's the least realistic part of the movie. And what was her dream? She she says, "I had a dream, and I was having ice cream with my dad." <laughs> wow, and, it's and like he looked outside. <laughs> it's like I'm recording a podcast with Jennifer Connelly. You do know I do this voice every time it's, a woman has a dream in a movie. It's, it's, I've it's done uncanny. it an absurd number of times yeah, her reviewing dream, these films. Her dream, her dream is about her. Her she was a little girl, and her daddy, who was in the army, who is Ross, the from yeah. the, the the beginning of the movie, who was the guy who broke the guy's microscope. The microscope. Um, yeah. They were he's having a bully, ice, and he hates, yeah. he hates nerdy guys. He, he was. They were having ice cream, and then some serious shit went down, and some military guys came and took him away and he had to leave her at the ice cream shop in the care of the i don't know the soda jerk yeah and and then the soda jerk comes and picks her up and in the dream the soda jerk is bruce yeah and then bruce kills her yeah and he's like that's a bummer that's that's fucked up dream i'd never do that i'd never hurt you betty yeah so then we cut back to the lab and bruce is leaving the lab and he sees a dog and he goes up and he says hi doggy uh, and the dog growls at him, and he goes, oh, you're a bad doggy, and then he leaves, and I'm like, Bruce, 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 there's a dog in your lab. <laughs> Why is there a dog Just in kinda my lab? Just kind of sitting at the end of the hallway, and you're like, well, that's nice, and you fucking leave. You don't tell anybody, you don't do anything. You just fucking go, oh, dog, and just leave. Well, hey. Bruce, what are you doing? He minds his business. He comes to work, he does his work, he goes home, he minds his business. That's not his, that's not his problem. <laughs> somebody else worry about that dog. Meanwhile, Bad Dad is at the lab and he yeah. gets a hair. Yeah, and he takes it back to his junkyard house. Yeah, yeah. but first Bruce has a bad dream, because there's a lot of dreams in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of dreams and yep. flashbacks yep. and there montages. Sure there sure there's, are. There's so many. <laughs> Anyway, so then we cut, and then his dream morphs into Bad Dad um, 
did something with his hair, with Bruce's hair, and then he does a bad thing to a rat and some bad things to his dogs, right? No, he doesn't do anything bad. No, no yeah. No, no, not no yet. he wakes uh, up. Eventually. That's does. right. He wakes up and he looks outside and there's bad dad. Bad dad and the dogs are outside, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, and then he looks outside and they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Just so yeah. And then, yeah. oh boy, we have another bad dad science montage. Yeah. And that's when he chops up the hair. Yeah, that's when he does the hair stuff, yeah. With like a ra- razor blade like he's going to snort it. In <laughs> fact, I would have preferred it had he just chopped it up and snorted his son's hair. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to get the power. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why this isn't working. <laughs> uh, so this should put the hair directly into my bloodstream. Uh, and then we get another appearance of... Glenn, who just comes back to remind everybody that he's an asshole. Yeah. And then um, Bruce has an accident. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's Harper again, the guy who made fun of his helmet. And then yeah. Harper, like, breaks something in the Gamma Lab. And he's like, help. And Bruce is like, well, say you're sorry about making fun of my helmet. And Harper's like, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Your helmet looked really cool. And Bruce you was like, so okay. You look so awesome in your helmet. I okay. didn't mean that it didn't fit. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. I'll be in there just a second. So Bruce goes in to try and help Harper. And he throws him out of the way, but it's Remember, too late. Remember, he breathes in a bunch of nanomeds, too. Yeah, the, the nanomeds, because I guess, they, yeah, Harper, they, something was broken, and Harper was trying to fix it, and he fucked it up, and it's triggered, like, the experiment sequence. Yeah. So the nanomeds are released. He throws Harper out of the way, but there's no time to get out, so he steps between Harper and the, the big ball of radiation that releases the gamma radiation, and he, like, just absorbs all of it himself. Yeah. And he dies, and that's the end. <sighs> And they have his funeral, and Bad Dad is there, and he's like, I wish I'd been a better father to him. And then Remember the old origin for the Hulk, where he just was exposed to radiation because a bomb went off? Yeah, yeah. Let's walk back the creation of this Hulk, shall we? His dad, doing weird, unnamed, unspecified genetic manipulation on animals in the nineteen seven early 1970s, sure. experimented on himself... And then passed on those anomalies to his son, who then grew up to be a scientist in the same field that his father was in. And then he breathed in a bunch of nanites and then got exposed to gamma radiation. And that's what turned him into the Hulk. Yes, that's I it. I just wanted to check and make sure I got that right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. That's right. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is fine. Yeah, he's in the hospital. I guess the, the great. hospital at the lab, apparently. And yeah, he says yeah. he's he, he he used to have a bad knee, and now his bad knee is his good knee, and everything's great. Well, why why tell anybody that there was a massive gamma radiation leak, or that someone was injured with it? Why even involve the authorities? Exactly, right? exactly. Thank you. Keep him at the hospital at the place. Shut everybody up. If anyone threatens to talk, kill him. Right? That's, I mean, that's what you do. That's what I would do. That's how science works. That's how science works. And now Betty and and her daddy meet. Right. And they don't have a good relationship. No, no. She doesn't trust him. And he doesn't trust her. Like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, he, he's always, like, telling her what to do and keeping yeah. her out of the loop and basically just do as you're told, Betty. Yeah. And is that why they don't like each other? Yes. That's it? Yes. She doesn't like that her father tells her what to do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure <laughs> she's going to she, she's she's going to her father because uh, because um, Glenn works for her father and she's trying to get her father to tell Glenn to just leave him alone. Yeah, but when like, they but when she shows up, her father is like, actually, that Bruce guy you work with is kind of an asshole. Did you know that? And she's like, okay, bye. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, I don't listen to you. Yeah. Just do what I asked you to do and then leave me alone, Dad. 
man. I'm going to win an Oscar before you are. <laughs> anyway, after Bruce gets, he's feeling it all good, and people are like, there's something wrong with you. He does some research, and then he gets really, really upset, and he turns into a giant green monster baby. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He turns into this... He turns into... I gotta say it. He turns into the Hulk. Yes. If the Hulk moved and acted like a baby and had a disturbingly handsome face. It's like he's not a monster man anymore. He's just this big green dude. And then he fucks up his lab. Yeah, he fucks up his lab, and he mm-hmm. has he has this this moment with Bad Dad, where yeah, he's with like, Bad Dad. where at first they're kind of tender, and then he remembers Bad Dad being a jerk when he was a kid, and he's like, oh, I don't like you, and he jumps through the ceiling and leaves. Rather than you know taking his gigantic meat fist and punching Bad Dad through the building, <laughs> Bad Dad just falls over. And he and then he, he he has a couple of tries at it trying to get out of the building, which is funny. It takes a couple he, times, yeah. Yeah, he looks like a trapped cricket in a box. <laughs> Let me out! <laughs> but then when he finally gets out of the building, he then hops away, and then we have this great camera dolly into into Nick Nolte laying on the floor, and he's crying, I guess. And yes. What does he say? He says, "My Bruce, my <laughs> Bruce." That's what he says. Uh, I know that's what he says. Anyway, the next morning, Betty finds Bruce at home, and he's lying unconscious, but then when he wakes up, boy, he's hungry. Oh, boy, and he's eating with his hands. He's eating with his hands. And I mean, talking... use a spoon, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, remember, we, we forgot to establish this. Bruce is completely emotionless. He's emotionally distant. Remember, yes. Steve? Yes, he's, he's emotionally distant. He's because, bottled up, as his mother said in one of the flashbacks. screenwriter said, what would be great for a guy who turns into a giant green monster machine that's all angry? It was, we have him be, like, emotionally distant, right? Yes. Yeah, because we can identify with an emotionally distant person, right, Steve? I mean, I can. <laughs> of course you it can. It, it hasn't really affected my enjoyment of the film, but obviously your mileage may vary. <laughs> Yeah, so Bruce is eating breakfast, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, Betty's dad shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Betty, you're not supposed to be here. Get the fuck out. And she's like, but I... And he's like, shut up. Get out. Yeah. So, And then Bruce tells Betty that a guy who says he was his dad came to visit him in the hospital, which yeah. is something we skipped. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he basically should have said, a guy who said it was my dad, but I was pretty sure as a homeless guy... With all three of his dogs. I don't know how he managed to ninja his fucking dogs into the goddamn hospital, but he does it. It's like bad Santa. He just waited for the security guard to leave, and then he got the alarm code, and he just opened the back door and let him in. Yeah, and then he talks a bunch of gobbledygook to to, to Bruce, and he tells him, you guys stay away from Betty because she's bad. I don't like that girl. And then um, Betty goes and visits Bad Dad. Well, yeah, right? we, we're, yeah. Well, we're we're skipping ahead a little bit, but yeah. Are we? What? What did well, we? Well, no, miss, actually, yeah, Steve? we are skipping ahead because, uh, yeah, well, Bruce and, and Bruce and Ta- and uh, Ross have a scene together. Yeah. And and then uh, and then Betty goes to visit Bad Dad. Okay, what and happens he, between Ross and and Bam? Bam? Oh, that's right, because he goes, "You don't remember? You don't?" And he's like, "I don't remember." And he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> 
And then Betty goes to see his bad dad. And, yeah, and bad dad steals her scarf because he's an old perv. Yeah. Or so we and think. This is, yeah. And then well, how, what did they talk about? Uh, they talk about Bruce. And he gets a little, she's like, you know, are you his father? Why are you such an asshole? And, mm. and, he's, and then he finds out that she has talked to her father about it. And then he's like, oh, you brought your father into it. Yo, you should have really not done that. Your father's such a jerk. Yeah. Give me your, give me your, your scarf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then there's another scene between Ross and Bruce, and Ross gets all up in Bruce's face. Yeah. And yeah. then Bad Dad releases his dogs to go kill Betty for some reason. Yeah, Betty goes. Yeah, Betty goes to the cabin in the woods. Uh, yeah. Bad Dad has has Hulkified his dogs that we didn't mention, but he like he does the Hulk thing to his dogs, and then he gives him Betty's scarf, and he's like, "Go kill the person that smells like this scarf." And since the dogs understand English, yeah, they're like, "Okay, yeah, we'll do it. We can do that." We can can track her all the way to the cabin in the woods by a lake and that's exactly what they do because they're hulk dogs now exactly. right exactly they have they have the hulk's proportionate sense of smell yeah hulk's known for his sense of smell yeah exactly <laughs> and then bad dad calls bruce yeah and he's and like says <laughs> I, I guess what i did <laughs> i sent my hulk dogs after your girlfriend ha ha that, that triggers that should trigger an attack right well it, it looks like it's 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 getting close to that but then talbot shows up and he's like and hey he's like hey remember me i'm a jerk and yeah. i'm gonna punch you in the face and then that's when he hawks out he hawks out on yeah. talbot and he's like you're gonna hulk me out man yeah and he and hawks he out the hulk and he the things he did to Glenn should have killed him like yes. at least three times. <laughs> oh, I would say so. Yes, throws him through the window, throws him against a car from like fifty feet away. <laughs> yeah, and throws him into no, he throws him into the street from the yeah. porch. Yeah, yeah, and then throws him against a car, flings him against a car. Yeah, right. And then some guys shoot at him, and something weird happens. He gets bigger. He gets bigger. The Hulk grew two sizes that day. <laughs> he got even bigger than he was before. Yeah, which is not a thing. But anyway. <laughs> He's the Super and then, Hulk. And then he hippity hops away, yeah. right? Yes, he does. And now we get... Okay, so Betty's at the cabin, and the Hulk got to the cabin before the dogs did. Right. And she sees the Hulk, and even though the Hulk does not look anything, anything like Bruce Banner... <laughs> yes. She goes, Bruce? Bruce? <laughs> Because she, because because she thought mentally, who else do I know who wears purple pants? Uh huh. That's Bruce. what it was. It's Bruce. She made the assumption that the thirteen foot tall, <laughs> bright green monster man was is Bruce. Bruce. And he picks her up, doesn't he? That's what yeah, he picks he, her he up. he picks her up and puts her on the roof of her car, and they have like yeah. a little moment between them. And then the well, Hulk they stare at each up. other for about 15 fucking minutes. And every time someone touches his face, they, it sounds like someone's sliding their hand around on liver. I don't know who <laughs> did the sound effects for that. But then the dogs show up. Yeah. And then, and then Hulk, Hulk fights some dogs. Yes. Hulk fights some Hulk dogs in the trees and such. In, in the trees and such. And, yeah. and you know when he kills them because he punches them so hard that they, they poof green. <laughs> they, they poof green. Exactly. Like like they're, like they're big powder puffs. Yeah. Well, be, be, because unbeknownst to us, the dogs are also Vulcans. <laughs> no, it's not what it is. You stop it. How dare you? <laughs> okay. Anyway, he kills all the dogs, and then he turns back into himself after he sees himself in the water, right? He goes down yeah. to the lake, yeah. and he sees himself in the water. And it's one of those magic lakes that have no ripples on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
and then he turns back into him, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he Betty takes him inside, and she calls her father. Well, first we have to have an extended scene of him of hide the pickle as he crawls naked back up to the oh, car that's true, where she yes. is. Yes, yes. Because during this entire thing, she was in the car, right? And that was it. She was right. just in. The she car. was in the car watching. Yeah. And then he gets in, and then we have to have a conversation after all that, right? Yes. And what do they talk about, Steve? Uh, you mean after after the car when they're inside? No, when they when he gets into the car. Oh, they don't really talk about anything. He just re, he just sort of recaps what just happened. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was a five minute scene where they just look at back. Yeah, and forth he just he said my father sent these dogs, but I killed him, and he gets all kind of hyper, and he, he like he actually mm. starts to to strangle her, and then he gets a hold of himself. <laughs> He's like, oops, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah, and so then um, next morning he's eating again, and yeah. he admits that he likes it when he turns into the Hulk. Yes, and Betty goes, "Oh, oh Spaghettios!" and she calls her dad and rats him out. Yeah, she's a rat. And she's like, she's a promise, snitch. Yeah, just promise you won't hurt him or something. And he's like, oh, "Yeah, <laughs> okay, I won't hurt him. I swear." <laughs> And then they're about to go out, and then he gets hit by a, a, a blowgun dart. Yeah. And that never should have worked. <laughs> yeah. He goes to sleep. That never should have worked, Steve. <laughs> it was anti-anger juice. <laughs> So it kept him from getting angry. Yeah. And then we see that he's been put into a big tube. Yeah. And he's loaded on a helicopter and they're going out to the desert to yeah. a super secret military base. To desert base. Now, I haven't mentioned this yet, but if you thought the Comic Sans uh, lettering intro was the only allusion to comic books, uh-uh. <laughs> because they do a lot of these weird montages where it's all in comic book panels, right, Steve? Yeah, the split screens that mimic comic panels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. split screens that comic panels scenes where characters who are not in the same scene have been superimposed at one another and look at one another and yeah. talk right yes lots of weird just weird fucking shit right steve i think it's great but great you can weird fucking shit <laughs> i enjoy it i'm glad yeah. you enjoy yeah. it I, glad. <laughs> I can tell you I can, I can tell you sincerely you sincerely are happy for me <laughs> anyway they take him to the super secret lab that's way underneath the yeah. ground and um betty has some regrets because <laughs> yeah but because because her dad is like you know we're probably just going to keep him sedated until we have to kill him right and she and she's like but why don't we help him and he's like no nah. and then his dad or even her dad loses control of it and the government gives the control over to to atheos or to, whatever yeah atheon yeah yeah atheon and glenn's all like oh goody goody right? <laughs> now i get to be a psychopath for no establishment reason this guy that i hate i get to torture right yeah well i mean he's probably still a little sore about you know when bruce hawked mm -hmm. out and almost killed him Meanwhile, Bad Dad is snuck back into the lab, and he does some stupid experiments on himself, right, Steve? Not for the first time. Nope. He's yep. gonna, he inhales some nanobots by huffing them out of a bag. Don't try that at then, home, kids. Then he exposes himself to gamma radiation, and then his blood gets all weird. <laughs> yep. And then he turns into a completely unrelated Marvel character. Called the Absorbing Man. <laughs> the Absorbing Man, yeah. Who was, in the comic books, I guess, a, a former criminal or something? I don't know know anyway he like can absorb the properties of stuff that he touches right and a guard comes up and says what are you doing here and then he kills the guard yes he does <sighs> anyway <laughs> meanwhile back at the base meanwhile back at the base um Betty, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah Betty, Betty, Betty Bruce... Okay, so his dad lets... Before he loses control of Bruce, her dad lets her walk him around. 
right? Right, because it, it turns out this is the base, the, the above-ground portion of the base is where Bruce lived as a kid, and it's also where Betty right. lived as a kid. Yeah. And it's abandoned. Yeah. And they walk around a lot and talk and have flashbacks. Yeah. And, and Bruce what, still, well, they, yeah. they go to Bruce's old house, and he tries to remember the thing that happened that he can't remember, and he still can't quite remember it. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. But we flesh out the flashback of the last flashback. <laughs> So that we can flesh out it with this flashback a little bit. And we already know what fucking happened, Steve. Do we? At this point. Yes, we do. (laughs) No, we don't. Not yet. Unless a juggling bear came out of that bedroom closet. You cannot honestly say you know what we don't, but like we have that came out of nowhere. <laughs> but we haven't. The movie ha- we don't know yet. The movie hasn't revealed. Hello, Timothy. What- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they, then, then that's when yeah. they take away control. They give it to Talbot, and um, what happens? Well, then- Talbot wants he tries to get him to Hulk out, and it doesn't work by so then- giving him electric shocks to the cow prod. Yeah, so then they put him into a tank and put him to sleep, and they try to get him to Hulk out like subconsciously so he can have we can have another dream sequence yes that also happens to be the same story that, that uh, Betty's bad t- dad that is telling dad, Betty. Bad, yeah bad dad's telling Betty at the same time yeah because bad dad wants to turn himself in yes he goes to Betty's house and he's like I've had enough I just want I'll turn myself in but just maybe ask your father if he'll let me see my son one more time right. yeah exactly I promise no. I'm not up to anything yeah exactly and then he has the same dream and then he he turns into the Hulk. Yeah, and the dream was that uh, Bad Dad tried to kill Bruce as a baby because he realized he couldn't help him, so he was just going to kill him. And, right. But Bruce's mother intervened, and he killed Bruce's mother instead. Yeah, she got stabbed. Yeah. yeah. And then she ran out of the house and tried to get help from a giant gamma explosion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Then a, a bomb went off. and yeah. Which, by the way, would have irradiated that secret base that they work on for the next, I don't know, 200,000 years, but that's just yeah. that's who's, just me. They, who's they counting? It up. Who's counting? Yeah, they got the, a little Mister Clean the wind, in there, and they just cleaned it up. The wind blew it the other way. Yeah, back the, towards yeah, Vegas. Yeah, the wind blew it back towards Vegas. <laughs> they don't. Hey, you don't see Vegas in this movie, yeah. do you? Vegas, yeah. you know, Vegas doesn't exist in this movie. So now the Hulk is running around the base, the, the yeah. underground base. Yeah, he hulks and, out. He rampages through the base. Yeah, Glenn wanted to extract some enzymes so he can become rich with his Hulk juice. Exactly. And exactly, that makes sense. That's the it's anyway, a very straightforward plan. Only lunatics in these movies would look at this giant monster man and go, "I see money in that." <laughs> I want to make another one. Yeah. And so um, Glenn tries to stop him and he covers him with foam and he's going to stick a needle in his eye. But then he gets out of that and then Glenn gets a rocket launcher and shoots a rocket at the Hulk and the rocket ricochets directly back at Glenn. Yeah. And it and lands in the wall and blows up. Yeah. Yeah. And blows up and kills him. Yep. Right. I, I believe so. Yeah. In a freeze frame in a, a freeze frame cartoon style where he gets an outline and you're like, wait. Wait, am I? If I can't take death seriously in this serious movie, then why? Why? <laughs> His death is played for fun. Yes, right? I, it's played. That's yeah, it. it's it's played as a punchline. Yeah. 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 Anyway, then Hulk is walking around and fucking shit up, and then he grows to I don't know twenty five feet, thirty feet tall at this point because people are shooting at him and he just keeps getting bigger right yeah I don't does he does he get bigger in this one or does he just hawk out and stay that way no he gets does he get he bigger gets even bigger yeah and then um, Ross is like we, <laughs> I know I've been talking about keeping the public safe but 
toilet plots, let him outside. Just open the door, let let's, him out, shit. Instead of keeping him contained a mile under the ground, let's let him out. That's a good idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> he says, let him out, we'll fight him out in the open. And it's yeah. like, this thing that we can't kill, it, it'll be better if we <laughs> we'll let him just, outside? We'll just let him go? And that's what they do. <sighs> mm-hmm, and that's exactly what they do. And then Hulk runs around and he fucks up a few tanks. And then Hulk runs around and he fucks up a few helicopters. Yes, he does. Um, they keep doing this thing where and where we, we zoom in on molds and funguses growing on rocks. <laughs> yes. I demand an explanation for that, Steve. If you have one, I want to know why we keep doing it. <laughs> it's to emphasize the Hulk's connection to the desert. What? He's he's a creature of the desert. He was created he in the desert. He's not a creature of anything. He's a... He was created in the desert through his father's experimentation at the desert base. So when he's like looking at, when he's gazing at at parts of the desert, that's like to emphasize his 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 connection and also his loneliness because he's disconnected from it as well. What? Because he's because he's all alone. <laughs> you wanted an explanation. I'm telling you how I read that Why part of the movie. Why are we doing it in whip zooms? <laughs> because that's how Ang Lee wanted it. Okay. <laughs> anyway. The guy who's so... a Crouching Tiger tells you to do a whip zoom, you do a fucking whip zoom. <laughs> there are no whip zooms in Crouching Tiger, were there? No, there's just Peter Pan strings. Yeah, how many whip zooms were there in Brokeback Mountain? Uh, there was that one. No, there weren't any. I don't know. <laughs> They're in the first hand job scene. There was there anyway, was that one when Randy Quaid catches him, the whip zoom right into his right into a close up. Huh? <laughs> anyway, so he fucks up a bunch of stuff and then yeah. he runs into this weird canyon, this fantastically beautiful structure, and they blow it up and they crush him with rocks and and and, and Ross goes, Okay, yeah, he's dead. We've literally shot him with missiles and bullets, but we drop some rocks on him. He's dead now. Yeah. And they fly away to just leave the body <laughs> in the desert, I guess. And then, like, what, like two minutes later, someone comes on the radio and they're like, oh, yeah, he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. How, how are you tracking him? No, sh- sh- shut up. We're just seeing, we can just see him. He's huge. <laughs> he's right there. I'm looking at him right now. Oh, he just jumped. There he go. He went yeah, that way. And anyway, he frog jumps his way all the because now he says, oh, he's going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Hulk has an innate tracking system and he knows his directions, right? He's like a dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like a dog. He yeah. can just hone in and he jumps all the way to the Golden Gate Look, Bridge. He tells direction by the shadows cast by the sun. Okay, fantastic. Even though he was unconscious when he went to the desert? <laughs> he could have been in Mongolia. <laughs> but he would know if he had to go east or west to get home. <laughs> How? Wait a minute. How would he know? He could tell by the angle of the shadows. Of the shadows won't the, tell him the, anything. The sun is the no, sun. Look, he, the earth is the earth. West is west. There. He's he, standing there. He would look, have hop frogged his way knows, and wound up in the, Russia and gone, look, where's San Francisco? He's, he's he's a scientist underneath all the Hulk stuff. He's smart. He knows all he has to do is is find a shadow, mark the shadow with a rock, wait yes. 10 minutes, see which direction the shadow moves. I could definitely see moved. the Hulk doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's very contemplative, this Hulk. So he sees which direction the shadow moves, and he can tell from that whether the sun is moving east or west, and he can tell which direction he has to go. Anyway, he lands on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes, he does. And then he fights some jets. Yeah. And one jet, one jet goes, hey, come on with me. It's going to be a fun ride all the way to space. <laughs> and he, he takes off, and then the pilot freaks out, and then the Hulk falls off because he passes out. Yeah. And then we have another dream sequence as he's falling because we don't have enough. Steve, it's been five minutes. <laughs> 
and he falls down and he goes in the water. Yeah. Right? And- yeah. And then they nuke the water. Well, they don't nuke it, but they drop some bombs <laughs> in the water. And, and they're like, okay, he's definitely dead now. Oh, oh, no, he's not. Except now he's, he's not. in the sewer system in the city. Yeah. And-, and, and this is the point where Betty calls her dad and she's like, hey, maybe just let him calm down. <laughs> And they're like, no. And she's like, I can stop him because I'm a girl and I'm beautiful. It's the best plan not we've had so I'm far. Not because I'm smart. Not because I'm a scientist. But because I, I'm, we've had sex and I think he still loves me. And so he won't, he won't murder kill me. He'll just stop and turn back into a person. Because this is a trope we want to reemphasize. Is that women calm men. Right, Steve? Well, and she's right. right. And she's right because she is smart. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Anyway, the helicopter in. Yeah. He sees her and he calms right down and he shrinks. Yep. And then one of the army guys puts a bullet in the back of his head. No, all the all the cops and all the army guys show up. Yeah. And um, then she she he calms down and then they take him off to this uh, facility that they made. Yeah. Where he has to sit in a chair between two giant electric magnet electromagnet a big thing that will cook him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the idea is if he even starts to hulk out, they'll just fry him. And for some reason, yeah. no one told Nick Nolte, well fuck you you don't get to see your son for no reason you did nothing to help us catch him why are we allowing him why are they doing this well why are they allowing nick nolte to see his son because it's a plot contrivance okay and so they (laughs) let him and this is the best part they walk him up to this big room where where his son is locked up and then they just let him walk the rest of the way by himself no guard right well they say that they've established uh a perimeter, mm. you know. So I guess they figure as, as long as as long as anything happens within that perimeter, it's okay, you know. Because <laughs> no, I would like everybody to remember this. Thunderbolt Ross says, if he does anything, I'll cook him. Right? Yeah, yeah. So Dad shows up, and they have a, a nice little talk about things. Oh, uh, they have a heart to heart, father yeah. son heart to heart. Like I, I should have killed you, and then Bruce says, <laughs> Yeah, I wish you had, and it, he doesn't get upset about that. What he gets upset about, and starts what Bruce starts screaming about which should have gotten him cooked but it didn't <laughs> but what bruce starts getting upset about is when his dad starts bagging on the u.s government <laughs> well no he he wants he 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 tells bruce that uh he wants his power he says he wants because he, he says look i didn't come here to see you i came here to see my real son meaning the hulk yeah yeah he's like you need hulk, to turn yeah. in and that's when he so bruce now realizes that his dad wants him to turn into the hulk for some nefarious reason and when bruce says no i'll, I'll never let you then that's when david banner goes off on his his megalomaniacal rant about you know we can make all them and their governments disappear yeah. yeah, and then he starts screaming. Yeah, and then the um, director is like, Mr. Nolte, we're ready whenever you are. Yeah. <laughs> whenever you want to do the dialogue we wrote for you. <laughs> no! I got things to say! I'm about to literally start chewing the scenery. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's that's exactly what he does. Meanwhile, Sam Neill took a coffee... Uh, Sam Neill. <laughs> Meanwhile, Thunderbolt Ross, I guess, took a coffee break yeah. or was in the dumper or something. <laughs> what did I because, miss? <laughs> because Bruce is having a meltdown and the other one is walking around. <laughs> and then he picks up a big cable... <laughs> Yeah, that they just put there. <laughs> and he takes a big bite out of it. He he bites the casing off of it, which, yeah. by the way, that alone is impossible. If he bites the rubber that insulates a giant wire, 
but he just doesn't. He he's the absorbing man now. He just you know yeah. He was one with the wire casing, and he just ripped it off. And then he bites into the electrical wire, and he becomes electro. And then he becomes this giant electric man, right? Yeah. And Bruce turns into the Hulk, and they can't spring their trap because there's no more electricity. Yep. And Uh-oh. then and then he picks the Hulk up and goes up into the clouds. Yeah. And we see him in the clouds, right? Yes. Not really fighting, just kind of moving around. Yeah, it's right? like it's like he's dragging him around. Yeah. Yeah, and then they land in another desert at night, and then we get to see. Well, let's see. Then we get to hear the Hulk fight like a rock monster, I think. Yeah. Because his dad turns into a rock monster. And then we get to hear them fall into a lake. Am I saying these scenes are really dark? I am. (laughs) It takes place at night. What do you want? And then they're in the water and bad dad's like, come on, Bruce, give it to me. (laughs) <laughs> I want it. I want all the power, right? Yeah. And then Bruce, uh, the Hulk says, wait, Bruce inside of his mind says, yeah. you want the power? Yeah. And then he says, you can have all of it, right? Yeah, he says, take it all. And then he's like, it's like it's just come pouring out of him and like this green stream of whatever. And his dad is absorbing it. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. This is just what I wanted. Oh, shit. No, too much. Never mind. Never mind. Take it back. Yeah. What's happening? Well, on the screen for our eyes to see, there's a big cloud with like faces appearing in it. <laughs> yes, of like different characters at different ages. You Mostly know. the Hulk, the Hulk, and 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 Bad Dad. And, yeah, uh, Bad Dad. And they're you know, and it's that, like and, he he's become a living flashback machine. Yeah, he's become a living flashback, and the cloud keeps getting bigger and bigger in the shape of a mushroom. Cloud. In the shape of a mushroom, and you hear Bad Dad screaming in agony, and then a jet flies in and nukes the place with a gamma bomb. With a gamma bomb is what they call it. Yeah. Who's 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 great idea was that? Who thought this creature that was made from gamma radiation? Let's shoot it with a gamma bomb. That that's good, right? Well, you know, maybe the Gagana bomb like was the only... That's like dropping a nuke on Godzilla. <laughs> it don't work. I know. Let's nuke him. <laughs> let's expose a... Super... Let's give Superman a sunburn. So they have a big fight, yeah. and the Hulk wins? <laughs> Technically, in the sense that he is still there when it's over. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. see Bruce just floating there in the water. Yeah. And then we get a Comic Sans one year later. Yeah, right. That's right. And Betty calls her dad, and they, they've kind of resolved their. No, they didn't resolve it. Not really, they but they trust each other. But they they kind of resolve a little bit of it in this conversation because he says that he's sorry. Not sorry enough to stop. Well, no, but sorry. And she still doesn't trust him. Right, yeah, because he says, because apparently he's like out, even though they both say like, well, Bruce definitely couldn't have survived, right? But people are like seeing things. He's like, you know, people are seeing things and, and they're green now. Yeah. And he's like, look, if Bruce ever, you know, called you, you'd tell me, right? And she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, her house is bugged yeah. and her office is bugged and she's bugged. Yeah. So in many ways... It's worse than it was before. Not better. <laughs> it's worse. But he says he was sorry. Yeah. Oh, yay. Anyway, we cut to the jungle. Yeah. And Bruce has grown a really bad crepe beard. And he's helping with some medicine for some local village people. That's right. And then some banditos come. Yeah, and they're like, give us the medicine, you asshole. And then he goes, hey, classic line from the TV show, but in Spanish. Ah? 
where he says, you don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. And then we start panning up after his eyes turn green and he's just standing there. And what I imagine is, is that the Because <laughs> the guy's staring at him. He's staring at the guy and they just stare at each other for no reason. For like a proge- prolonged period of time. Yeah. Do you think the guy went, hey, that was pretty cool what you did with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> is anything else going to happen? Is that it? You- oh, <laughs> You're gonna shit. going to change your eye color in me? <laughs> There's a little frog on his hat for no reason, right? Well, it's because he's trying to make up for that frog that he killed. So he's he, oh, he's, he's, that he's befriended the frogs of the jungle. Yeah, <laughs> he's become the frog man. Yeah, to help to make up for it, you know. And we pan way out of the jungle, and as the screen fades to green, we hear a monster roar. Right? Yeah, that's right. The end. The end. Steve? Yeah. Steve? Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. Oh, Happy thank- birthday, Steve. Thank you, my friend. Help me, Steve. <laughs> Steve, please help okay. me. Please. Okay. Can you do me a favor, please? Yes, I will. Yes, anything. Anything. Please show me <laughs> what you see. Please. Okay, okay. I will. I'm going to try. Okay, good. I'm going to try. Okay. Before I get into the part where I'm going to praise the movie, okay. um, I do want to point out that, you know, I acknowledge the movie does have some flaws. It's not perfect. I'm capable of recognizing that. I do have, there is one big problem with it, and that problem is that we don't need those scenes of college-age Bruce. It would be better if we just transitioned straight from baby Bruce to Eric Bana, grown-up Bruce. And that's it. That's the only thing that's wrong with the movie. I'm going to argue that Um, (laughs) a little bit later. (laughs) But but no, but seriously, um, here's the thing, right? And I feel like, and you you will be able, you'll speak for yourself when you do your review, but I feel like I detect a little bit of this in, in your reactions to the movie, and I definitely detect a lot of it in the critical response and the response of like comic book fans to the movie who didn't yeah. like it, which is this is not the Hulk movie that people wanted. No. I don't think whether you love the movie or hate it, that's indisputable that this is not the Hulk movie people wanted. This movie came out a year after Spider-Man and Spider-Man made all the money in the world and was this very affectionate, very faithful adaptation of 1960s Spider-Man comics. And I think when this movie came out in 2003, people assumed that it would be similar, and that's the movie they wanted. They mm-hmm. wanted a Hulk movie that was to the Hulk the way Spider-Man was to Spider-Man. And yeah. this and this is not that movie at all. Nope. But what they did do, what Ang Lee and James Seamus, the, the, the primary writer, uh, did, was they made a movie that is, while it is not that, it is it is still true to parts of the character that have pretty much always been there. It honors the character. It's deeply rooted in one of the most essential aspects of the Hulk character, and that is Hulk's anger. This movie is about why is Hulk so angry? What is it that fuels Bruce Banner's <laughs> rage? Why? What is it that makes this guy so angry that he turns into a, yeah. to a, a 12-foot rage monster? And the answer that Ang Lee and James Seamus come to for that question is actually the same answer that Bill Manlow and Sal Bushima answered it in the Hulk comics in the 1980s, mm-hmm. which is that he had an abusive father yeah. um, and Ang Lee and James Seamus and their collaborators made a Hulk movie that is ultimately about the shadow that abusive parents cast over their children and and how impossible it can be for those children to escape from that shadow how devastating that relationship can be on both sides 
and also how sometimes some provisional measure of forgiveness is possible and how those wounds can be healed. Um, there are two abusive parent-child relationships in the movie. The most important one is obviously David Banner and Bruce Banner. That's the big one. That's the tragic one. That's the one where it, it really destroys both characters' lives because David Banner ends up literally destroyed and Bruce ends up having to... He completely loses the life that he had. He's stuck being the Hulk. He's living in South America on the run from the army. So it destroys Bruce's life too. Um, that's, the, that's the tragic half that is not even... And that, and that is resolved when Bruce finally unloads his rage against his father. That's what finally defeats his, his abusive fathers. He says that scene at the end where he says, if you think you can take it, take it all. And it's too much. When the abused child finally just lets loose with everything he's been holding in all these years, it's too much for the abusive parent. Um, but the other parent-child relationship is General Ross and Betty. And that is the one that I, I mentioned already that you kind of disagreed with, but I, it, it ends with a tiny little note of hopefulness because he does, he, he it's the first time in the movie that Ross shows even an inkling of of regret of of being sorry and he tells Betty I'm sorry and yeah yeah we can point out like yeah she's under surveillance and he's still he's still a Hulk hunter he hasn't like completely reformed but he has this moment of self-awareness and this moment of acknowledgement that he has not been the father that maybe she wanted him to be or needed him to be and he says I'm sorry and and Sam Elliott plays that scene as very sincere when he says I'm sorry it sounds like he means it um, so, and the thing is, this is very deep, very serious material, and it's delivered through the story of the Incredible Hulk, which is one of <laughs> which is one of the most delightfully silly superhero characters ever. Yep. Um, so, I can definitely understand why some might not think that those two things go together. Right? They might think that the themes are too heavy, that the movie takes itself too seriously, that it tries to get too artsy. Um, I completely get that. All I can say is that for me, it works. Um, because to me, the silliness and the serious parts are linked together. The silliness emerges from and then goes back into the seriousness. And because we get both of those things from the very beginning, as we as we were making fun of, like it, it it's a very comic booky movie from the very start. There's the conceit of the the comic book font for the uh, for the the credits. There's the use of the split screens that mimic comic panels, and just the way well, the way just flat out comic panels, comic panel, and and just the way the way that the whole thing is presented, the the acting, the writing, even when it's going somewhere very serious, it's always like a heightened reality. It's always theatrical. Um, we're always watching, we're clearly watching like a comic book movie, even when it's getting really dramatic. Um, it takes the serious part seriously, but it also, it, it indulges in, in the silly parts. And if there is anything sillier than the Incredible Hulk, it's three hulked out dogs fighting the Incredible Hulk. And I know that's one of the scenes that people like always point to is like, that's, that's the stupid part of the movie. That's the part, that's the part of the movie where it's like, how are we supposed to take that seriously? And my response to that is you're watching an incredible Hulk movie. If you're already accepting the fact that the hero of the film turns into a giant green monster when he gets mad, I don't I personally don't get why that giant green rage monster fighting Hulk dogs is that much of a stretch. I don't know why you're willing to go that far, but you're not will but when you see the Hulk dogs, you're like, oh, this is stupid. It's already stupid. It was stupid from the moment it started. Um that's that's part of what it is. But again, and that's that's just how I react to it. Everybody has, you know, pe not there are some people who absolutely will not sit still for that Hulk dog scene, and that's fine. Um, 
I, I can't sit still during this whole crunk scene. I, just, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Take I, me down, honey. Take me down. Not, I have to watch it's it. Not, it's not my favorite scene in the movie, but I don't hate it. I think it's fine. I don't have a problem. You would be it. fine if there um, were no action scenes in this movie. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I would want to have some action scenes in a Hulk movie, but but here's the thing. I'm happy with the action scenes that we got. Um, there, I, I like I like the style of the movie. I like the visuals of the movie. I love how Ang Lee is able to find beautiful shots or unexpected shots. I love the shot of Hulk uh, letting go of the fighter jet and falling, and we see that reflected through the helmet visor of the pilot. I think that's a gorgeous shot. There's a shot of when Betty is going to him at the end of his rampage in San Francisco, where she's running down a set of steps in the background, and she exits frame to the right, and then she reappears in the foreground like a moment later also from the right like she just exits frame in the background and comes back in in the same shot in the foreground that is so unexpected and such a beautifully constructed shot I just I um, I love the transitions I love Danny Elfman's score which has a descending main theme that obviously owes a lot to Bernard Herrmann's Vertigo theme they have a very similar like da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. I love Sam Elliott who is like a clenched fist in the entire movie until he <laughs> until he finally relaxes for that moment of vulnerability vulnerability with his daughter um i love the fact that jennifer Connolly's character has her own space in the film rather than just being a love interest or just being something for the hero and the villain to fight over um i love every second nick nolte's kooky cartoon ass is on the screen and every grandiose line reading that comes out of his mouth <laughs> um, i just I, I, I just completely love that performance. And I, I like Eric Bana, and I like this tightly wound version of Bruce Banner that he finds, which I can totally believe that uptight, bottled-up guy turns into a giant green rage monster when he gets pissed off because he is so withdrawn. Um, I think that I appreciate the fact that even though it has very heavy themes, the movie is not grim. It's not depressing. It's not dark. There's a lot of mayhem and violence, but it's all non-lethal except for Talbot and David Banner and the dogs. And with Talbot and David Banner, they are kind of the authors of their own demises. Um, it doesn't revel in the carnage that Hulk causes. It, it doesn't seem bleak. It doesn't seem gross or grim or violent. It's And this is another thing I think that people don't like about it. It's definitely not a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Mm. It's good that they rebooted it because for that purpose, because it doesn't fit really thematically or stylistically within the Avengers franchise. And I love those movies. I almost cried during Endgame a couple of times. I love, Stop it. I, I haven't seen it yet. Be quiet. I love, I love those Shut movies. Shut your filthy mouth off. I'm just saying, I love the MCU movies. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say like, you know, yeah. I like this and I hate that. I love the MCU movies. But I I appreciate the things about this movie that that set it apart from that type of movie. I like the fact that it doesn't feel focus grouped and it doesn't have something for everyone. I like the fact that there's not a comic relief character. I like the fact that there's not a joke on every page of the script. Um, but I also like the fact that it does have something in common with those MCU movies, which is it knows to take the serious bits seriously and to let the silly bits be silly. And it knows that sometimes it can be both at, at once, which is the case in my favorite scene in the movie. Movie, which is that confrontation between Bruce and David Banner at the end where he's strapped to the chair between the two big generators and David Banner is just fucking going off. And everything about that scene, the writing, the way it's staged with a completely black background and the two spotlights down on them, the acting, which is so big 
Eric Bana, Nick Nolte, and especially Nick Nolte are acting for the upper deck. They are just fucking going for it. And yet there is a gravity to that scene. And there's a truth about those characters and their relationship to each other and their conflict that for me, it grounds all that silliness and it makes that scene absolutely riveting to me. I love that scene every time I watch it. So I appreciate the artfulness of the movie. I appreciate the beauty of it. I appreciate the sadness of it, the loneliness of Hulk in the movie. Um, I've loved it since the first time I saw it. I've loved it more every time I've seen it since. And having just watched it again to prepare for this, I can say, even though I love the MCU movies so much, I love it more than any of the MCU movies um, and more than all but a handful of superhero movies that have ever been made. So there you go. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> and now I'm done. My turn? Please. Is it my now turn? It's now, and now we come to the counterpoint portion of our show. Turn off your headphones. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Let me have it. <laughs> My problem with Hulk does not have anything to do with the acting. Doesn't really have anything to do with the special effects. Doesn't have anything really to do with Ang Lee. I think he's a fantastic director. My problems with Hulk have to do with structure and tone. So I don't care that they decided that the root of Bruce Banner's anger is his childhood abuse. That's interesting to me. That's very interesting to me, in fact. But if you're going to take a main character and have childhood abuse and the murder of a parent being the driving factors behind this guy's transformation, then the structure and tone needs to be consistent. And I felt, while watching it, that they... that the structure and tone of the film was a disservice to the story that they were trying to tell. I appreciated the, the parallels between Betty and Bruce and the relationships with with their father, right? Yeah. I would have liked a little bit more development as to why when we start the film, Betty and her father have these issues, but we don't really get into that. This isn't their story. They had to give Jennifer Connelly something to do, so they gave her that. <laughs> My problem with it is, is that if you're going to tell a story about survivors of child abuse, get rid of the comic sans, get rid of the montages, get rid of a lot of the dream sequences, tell that story. Include the, the Hulk stuff in it, because it's, it's integral to the plot, right? Tell the story of childhood abuse. Don't get it mixed up and say, well, it's also a comic book film, so I'm going to make sure we put comic book panels in there. There's some ingenious cutting for a Sam Raimi movie, maybe. Okay? <laughs> Sam Raimi managed to take the comic book tone and put some dark elements in it and still have it relatively be happy. Uncle Ben's death, right? Yeah. All you have to do is say Ben by accident around Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire starts crying directly into his lap. <laughs> This movie went even darker and more psychological. I appreciate that. But I could not, I could not do these whiplash changes in tone from one thing to another. They draw out the death of his mother till more than almost all the way to the movie, and I had guessed it from the very beginning. It's not like they're disguising it much. Had they chopped off the beginning and we just started with Bruce Banner doing his experiments, nothing would have changed in the movie. <laughs> because then we are allowed to discover what's going on. 
on rather than having partial feedings for the first 15 to 20 minutes. I didn't need to, we didn't need to see him in college. Those are very brief scenes. College and when he's a kid and then all of the stuff that was leading up to it. All of this stuff would have been much more interesting had we been able to discover it. The fact that Betty and and Bruce were both at the same thing, that Thunderbolt Ross knew his dad, that the sudden appearance of a weirdo would have been like, who's this weirdo? <laughs> and it would have allowed us to explore the nature of Bruce's abuse. Having Bruce not remember the abuse is an insult to survivors of abuse, because most of them remember. But in the movie, Bruce is conveniently forgotten. And the only time he does remember is that he then turns into the Hulk. That's bullshit. Have him own that. That's that's the reason why he's so emotionally distant. Have it be something that he's reluctant to talk about, like a lot of abuse victims. This could have been handled much differently in a much more adult way without the cartoon killing of fucking Glenn, without all of the fucking bullshit that when he finally expresses his rage, he doesn't look like a giant baby having a temper tantrum, that he is actually <laughs> angry about something. And it's been the anger that he's been suppressing. Bruce isn't suppressing anger. He fucking forgot. <laughs> because he suppressed it. No, you don't. You do. Steve, you don't suppress anger until you forget about it. I wouldn't remember half the fucking movies we reviewed if that were the case. <laughs> I appreciate what they were trying to do. I honestly do. And I think that's what's so frustrating with me for this movie is they take this very comic book kind of tone with the cutting and the way they do um, the scene transitions, which I really do appreciate. There are some striking things that they do on a technical level in this film. But when you're trying to get me to understand a survivor of abuse and his expression of rage and his relationship with an adult father who he doesn't remember, <laughs> it becomes very frustrating because there are things, if you're going to use that, use it. Own it. Do your research. Find out what it's like to be an adult survivor of child abuse, right? Yeah. And then utilize that in the telling of your story, okay? So my bigger problem also with the structure is that it's so frenetic and it's cutting so much and I have a feeling that the reason why it feels so frenetic is to try to keep the momentum going through the film because there's a lot of people staring at each other and saying five lines over five minutes. <laughs> They've already proven that they have no problem with putting exposition in people's mouths and some of the clunkiest dialogue you've ever heard. I'm surprised I didn't hear, well you know Bruce you, know, Bruce, you and I have been best friends for 15 years or things like that <laughs> as you know you know as you know we've been friends for a long time bruce <laughs> they could have chopped off the beginning allowed us to find out what was going on through it find out you know at a critical moment what he has been sitting on what his relationship with his father is all of that stuff instead when bruce sees his, his father for that guy who identifies himself as his father for the first time he's like no my dad's dead and i barely remember him anyway shut up and it's like this isn't no I don't like it it's not good I like that's what's frustrating what's really for one of the reasons why I get so angry at this movie is that the, it could have done so much more with with a two hour running time it could have really 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 explored these characters given them some more depth given them a little bit more um, just a little bit more meat to chew on in the, in the having them yell and get upset at the end while Nick Nolte goes crazy may be fun just watch Nick Ulti go crazy, but I'm fairly certain that there are a lot of people in Hollywood that have whole movies of Nick Nolte going crazy <laughs> on the street. 
if you want that, you could go find those. I'm sure they're on YouTube. You know, I'm sure you can go Nick Nolte at a pizza restaurant talking about how ants have secretly were the secret emperors of the Aztec Empire. But it isn't the reason why I, I went to go see this film. Am I upset because it wasn't the Hulk movie that I wanted? No. I'm upset because the movie that they started to present, the movie that had all of these interesting questions and all of this, what could have been a potentially very dramatically impactful thing, got mixed up with a bunch of goofy shit, cartoon deaths, oh, cartoony characters. And the other thing is, is that the Hulk's expression of rage should have been pure rage. And they took, they went, oh, kids are going to want to see this. So Hulk can't kill anybody. <laughs> he can spin a tank to the point in which people have been turned into paste on the inside and then throw it three miles away. Yeah. But because the tank landed in some sand, we got to make sure we see the guy come out and wave. That's the kind of fucking death. That's what happened in G.I. Joe cartoons. You'd shoot a plane and then you'd see someone in a parachute get out. That's what was happening here. One of the things you want a key difference between the Hulk in the MCU and the Hulk in this movie is one of the specific things. The Bruce Banner in the MCU understands that Hulk is dangerous and he's afraid of hurting people. In this one, not so much. <laughs> Not so much. He never looks around and goes, what have I done? Did I hurt anybody? <laughs> he talks about how much he likes it. And if they had presented that character in such a way that we could understand why that is such a great relief, release for him, you'd be more ready to accept. You'd be, be able to readily accept it. But, and I think that's one of the balances they wanted is that they, okay, we can't have him like it and have him accidentally kill people, right? Yeah. So let's have him not kill anybody. Let's not have him fight anything except for those dogs. I don't care that he fights Hulk dogs, but this is a movie at its heart about child abuse. And so when you have to switch gears from, oh, he's a survivor of child abuse to, and now he's fighting a giant poodle. <laughs> that is a gear, my gears jam at that point. I have to take my brain back into the shop, and they're like, oh, you reviewed another movie, did you, Jason? Yes, I did. How long is it going to be in the shop this time? I don't know. You're going to have to order parts, and they don't make them anymore. We'll probably have to manufacture them. <laughs> so while I, I, I am very glad that Steve likes this movie, and he finds the things in it, the very presentation of this film is my major hindrance in liking it. And I think some other people picked up on it. I'm sure that there are shitty fan reasons why people didn't like the whole movie because it wasn't like what I was kind of making fun of was that he got exposed to radiation in a bomb and then he turns into the Hulk. One of the bigger problems with the Hulk until it got fixed was where's all this rage coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to, to, to mention that the Hulk being angry all the time came later after the Hulk was created. The Hulk was originally just a gigantic monster and he got angry because people would shoot at him when he was a giant monster. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so those are my, my basic things. If you guys can overlook structurally and you can appreciate the story that they're trying to tell, fantastic, I'm glad. It just doesn't work for me. And no, I don't wish that they had made a more quote-unquote traditional Hulk movie. I'm just frustrated that the movie that they wanted to tell me, I felt they didn't do a good enough job to keep me engaged and actually kind of frustrated me because I've, men I've known people who are survivors of childhood abuse, physical childhood abuse, and I couldn't help but watch this going, oh, great, he has convenient amnesia and having those people watch this and go well okay <laughs> so that's mine steve classic you got it you like it it's fine it's classic i get it it's classic yes right yes yes that's what i would say yes me not so much mm. <laughs>
<laughs> a frustrating watch. That's what it was for me back in 2003, and it is for me now. But I don't hate Steve for liking it. Dig what you dig, right, Steve? That's what we say. That's what we always say, exactly. That's what we always say. Yeah. And I am genuinely happy that he likes this movie, and I hope he didn't take what I said too serious. No, actually, I really appreciated it. I like the fact that your problems with it are understandable and are not just, you know... Uh, not that I expected them to be from you, but you know that they that they aren't just like frustrated fanboy resentment. You know, like oh, they, no. they didn't do this and they didn't do that, and Hulk's not supposed to do that. Like you actually are responding <laughs> to the movie and, and 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 mapping out a way in which maybe it could have worked for you mm-hmm. that it just didn't do. No, I think I liked a lot of what you had to say, even though I feel oh, completely the different way. And I liked what you what you had yeah. to say, even though I disagreed with some of it. I, I can understand why you liked it. There you go. Okay. So so all so the people that's... listening, hoping for us to fight, fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, you asshole. I don't think a single person has been no. listening to this show waiting for our fallout <laughs> over a goddamn movie. When are they going to just fucking lose it on each other? <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so yeah. now's the time where we recommend or not recommend. Steve, do you have a movie that you would like to re- not, not recommend? Not recommend. Yes, I do. I have to say I'm cheating a little bit because the movie I am not recommending is a movie that technically was never released in theaters, at least not in the United States, um, but it is a movie, and okay. and it does have the Hulk in it. Oh, it's not one of the TV movies. It was actually, it was the last live-action appearance of the Hulk, I believe, until this movie. Um, it is one of the TV movies. Oh, I know which one it it's, is. It's too. it's the last TV movie. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and it's called The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. It was actually not supposed to be the last movie, despite the title. They wanted to do another one, but unfortunately, Bill Bixby, who who played Doctor David Bruce Banner in the show, uh, died of cancer. So it, they just they couldn't do anymore. But uh, it's th- kind of a bummer. Yeah, kind of a bummer, and especially for someone like me who is and always has been a huge fan of the TV version of. Hulk. Um, and uh, this is one of they did three TV movies of the of of uh, the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno Hulk after the TV series was canceled. And this is the last one, mm-hmm. and this is the one where uh, Bruce Banner he he falls in love with a Russian spy, um, <laughs> and then at the end he uh-huh. he hawks out and he's hanging on to a helicopter, and then he falls off the helicopter and and hits the ground and dies and. <laughs> And that's the end of this version of the Hulk, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Um, sorry to spoil it for you, my friends, but that's that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, so it's the, the TV. None of the TV movies were that great, uh, even if you were a fan of the TV show, which I certainly was like they they are not as good as the TV show. They are they're even goofier than the show was. And the show was plenty goofy already. And they just yeah. they just don't have the same appeal as the show did. But it's fun to see Bill Bixby and Rulu Ferrigno play. Banner and the Hulk again, but overall, not a good movie. Not well received at the time. Has not aged terribly well since then. Um, so that is my not recommendation. If if by chance you like me enjoyed Ang Lee's Hulk and you want to see some more Hulk stuff, you probably should avoid the death of the Incredible Hulk because it is not yeah. good. I am not recommending it. Watch the one with Daredevil in it. That's actually or better. The one with Thor. The first in it. one, yeah. The first one. <laughs> the first one was the one that had Thor in it. That was. They're. they're I mean, they're fun. They're fun, but they're not good movies. No, yeah. they're not. Okay, as you guys know, I like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 2003, and I there was, I was gonna recommend the documentary about the failed attempt to film Don Quixote, because I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan, hmm. but I decided no, nah, I'm gonna recommend this one because I've watched it about 
30 times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the polar opposite of this film, because they strive for realism. They strive to make a, his, uh, a time and place in history as, as realistic and accurate as possible, despite the fact that they are portraying fictional characters and fictional events. The movie that I'm going to recommend is Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, mm. directed by Peter Weir and stars Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. It is about a British warship um, farting around South America <laughs> and then fighting a French ship for a little while and it's really good and you wind up loving the characters and I don't know there's something about this movie that for whatever reason even if I'm watching a little bit of it it always sucks me in and I think it has a lot to do with the relationships of the characters to one another the naval battles which are portrayed very realistically the crews which for the first time is portrayed very realistically in which hey guess what there are children on board and some of them are junior officers uh oh uh huh um, it's a great film and it looks expensive probably wasn't that expensive but I mean it never really caught on in the United States um, and uh, it was obviously a labor, labor love um, on Peter Weir's part he's a great director and he made a great movie and so if you feel like watching a bunch of British dudes because there's <laughs> no women in it almost no women but watch a bunch of British dudes um, chase some French dudes <laughs> Or almost get killed by French dudes and then turn around and do all these neat naval tricks to trick the French dudes. <laughs> then watch Master Commander, the far side of the world. You ever see that movie? I Steve? saw it once upon a time the year it came out. Yeah, I, I thought it yeah. was really good. It was I really liked good. it. Okay, Steve. Now it's my birthday. Yeah. And you have a terrible oh, choice. Oh, man. Now it's, time for, <laughs> now it's time to put the guilt on me. Uh-huh. Okay. So Steve, since he doesn't know anything about my likes or dislikes, couldn't recommend any movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's taken a very clear dispassion to me having remembered anything I said about what I like. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me just put it out there. If you were to put two movies in the bin for to be selected from, do you, can you think of two movies that aren't considered classics that you would put in there? I can't think of any that aren't considered classics that you know that I love. that I know that you love. Well, I mean, like if and I, I like I have no idea what two you're gonna give me, but I like yeah. I I would probably say Time Bandits, but I think Time Bandits is kind of considered a classic. It is a yeah. classic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. Let me hear it. Well, give me. Okay. All right. I took two of my favorite movies. Okay. And I put them in here. Okay. And now. Steve has to choose A or B. So, Steve. <sighs> okay, B. <laughs> okay, had Steve selected A, that would have been Buckaroo Banzai. <gasps> oh, okay. One of my favorite movies ever, and I don't think anybody is going to argue that that is a classic film. <laughs> but neither is this other one. The movie that he selected is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, boy. From one of my favorite directors of all time. And I think I'm pretty much the only person that saw it when it was in the movie theaters. But I still love it to this day. The next movie that we're going to review is The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. All right. Hey, we, we referenced that recently, didn't we? Yes, yeah. we've referenced yeah. it a few times. Yeah, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. And that's it. You've made it to the end of another episode, and we didn't. I, we're still friends. Ha ha! <laughs> Haters. Ha ha! <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> How many people do you think are just waiting? <laughs> How many people like just rip the earbuds out of their heads angrily at the end of every show when we <laughs> still like each again. other? God damn it! <laughs> It'll happen if we do, like, uh, let's see. No, we've disagreed on, on, well, have we? No, not yet. We've, we haven't we, disagreed on Kubrick. That's true. We, have, we haven't done Eyes Wide Shut yet. 
I don't think we're gonna disagree on Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Uh, that's the one I haven't seen. You haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut? Oh, yeah. And I don't think it qualifies as a. Yeah, I don't think it does either. But you know, I think it's just his last movie. We could sneak it in for one of our exceptions that we write in for ourselves. That's true. Yeah. We could do that. Whatever we cheat, like for our birthdays, for example. Yeah, but thanks, guys. Yeah. And um, I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who donated to my fund to move because I'm now recording at the new house, and I worked really hard to make sure that there wasn't a massive gap in the podcasting and the podcasting downloads by putting stuff up early and editing at work which i really shouldn't have done but i did it anyway because i love you guys so hope you don't listen to the podcasts jason's employers <laughs> <laughs> you did what nothing that was a joke anyway that was a funny joke i, wanna, I told i want to thank everyone who contributed it was in a dire emergency but we're doing we're doing all right we're moved um you know we're a little bit farther away from uh work <laughs> Like 20 miles farther away from work, but you know, it's California. So we're lucky we found a place at all. Um, it was really by the skin of our teeth. But I want to thank everybody, and um, I promise you, I will work as hard as I can to make sure that these podcasts go out, no matter how many monkey wrenches Steve continually throws into the machinery that is this show. Because <laughs> I'm the one who who forced you to move from your last house. I got it. There's got to be a villain that oh, everyone sorry. can identify. With. I just want to say I'm very, very happy and relieved that this whole situation worked out. Thank because you. it was. Uh, as as a lot of your friends were, I was I was sort of biting my nails for a little bit there, but I'm very glad that it's oh. it's resolved, that you're safe, you're in a good place now, and it's, everybody's everything cuticles is good. can rest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Thanks for listening, and don't worry about the dogs. You'll be fine. Just don't look him in the eyes. I'm looking at him in the oh, eyes. Oh, you don't, don't you don't want to do that. I can't turn away. No. They just keep staring at me. No, no, no. Okay, he's gonna he's coming up. Maybe if I reach out and pet he's, one, that'd be okay. He's just gonna sniff your crotch a little. Just let him do what he okay. needs to do. Should I, he's still he's, looking at me in the eyes while he's sniffing he's my crotch. Be, it's really creepy. He's gonna be a little aggressive. Just let him finish what he needs to do. Okay. Might, Whoa, it, now it, he's moved to the it back. Might get a little invasive. <laughs> Oh That's, boy, I yeah told he you is. Not to look him in the eyes. Did you teach him to try to paw off someone's pants? I have my reasons for doing that. I, that's why. I, why are your pants I off? Just don't look me in the eyes either. Oh, I'm looking at you in look the away. eyes now. Okay, well, get, don't, don't, I look down. I made a mistake. I looked down. Just well, where should I just look? look over Up. There. Just look over there. Okay. <laughs> It'll all be over in a second. <laughs> no, please. Of all the endings to this show, I did not picture that. I didn't invite you here. You came here on your own. All I wanted was to be left alone to do my work and play with my dogs. <laughs> You're stuck. You've 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 completed the process and become completely nolty. I've, I've I've hulked out into nolty. I've noltied out. <laughs> How many leprechauns are in this sandwich? <laughs> Spit into this cup. Let me get my magnifying glass. <laughs> uh, no tip for you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. 
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening.